Welcome to the uh, the filmmakers commentary. I guess we'll call this okay. I One of like ten it. commentaries I think will be done for this movie. I assume. Um, I I appreciate you calling me a filmmaker. Well, you're a producer. You're a writer. Yeah. You don't think you consider yourself a no, filmmaker? No, I do. But usually when they say film, I do call myself a filmmaker. But traditionally. They reserve the the filmmakers reserve for directors, so it's nice. But that's a director. No, I agree. We made a film together. We're filmmakers. Oh well, so you appreciate my generosity? I don't know. That's a, but it's funny to me because I always think I just think of anyone that works, especially in the above the line capacities, as a filmmaker. As a filmmaker, good. Producer. Me too. I, that's, I'm glad this has come up. <laughs> We're missing all this great stuff that we should be talking about. Like these great pictures of the Large Hadron Collider that we borrowed and put in the movie. Oh, yeah. We should talk about this. Hey, there's Scott McClellan! Yay! Oh, don't do it. It's not going to be one of those. Oh, where too you late. Just cheer we just everybody. did for Scott. No. There's a picture of me with my mom. So, oh, but you had to bring your mom up. Okay, fine. There's me with my mom again. So how often do you, for every movie, do you just have to give photos or is it yep. just certain things? I actually have a photo album in my uh, in my office ready at hand because... Uh, You're just my, used to it. That song, by the way, the opening credits... Oh, we didn't talk song, about the song. Which, you know, written uh, by Ian Lefebvre and, and Stephen Kreklow, uh, which is very Beach Boys influenced and we just love it so much and we never thought we'd find something as good as what you had in there for Temp. Yeah, I had um, the Rolling Stones' uh, "Time Is on Your Side," which is so perfect. But I have to say, they knocked it out of the park. And Ian's song there is 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 better than the Rolling Stones song. Yes, that's right. It's, it's true. Well, we, I went in. It's funny. Ian and Steve are so great to work with, and I was able to go in with them and just kind of tell them what we wanted. We wanted a Brian Wilson's type thing, but that also introduced like the sci-fi elements of the film. So he's using. Um, uh, oh my brain's fried that that uh, what's that uh, instrument where you're using your hands and it's like a zither? a zither no <laughs> is it a zither I don't know it might be uh, a I could look it up I, I apologize someone's screaming at me saying it's this anyway um, they're using that it's just a it's really really beautiful unique way to in, in introduce the film and yeah. the first time I heard it I just had chills it was great me too I was just sitting in the airport in Prague when I when I heard it and I was I cried I actually cried and then I emailed you guys that I cried and you made fun of me for yeah. weeks that's what you do so let's talk about Cleopatra Coleman which one is she? she's this one. Oh yeah the yeah. one that's not you right the one with the beautiful lips oh we should talk about her hair isn't that a fun story? yeah so Cleo has less hair than Jonas because she lost a bet that's right. That's no. right. Uh, it's, so it's interesting. So uh, when you go through the casting process, uh, you're often looking at the headshots and whatnot or looking at people's previous work. So we offered Cleopatra the movie, and um, and she came back, and she didn't – she wanted to have a conversation with me, which is very common. Right, but usually you do a Skype call. You should do a Skype call with actors. Um but she and didn't want. She just said, "Let's just chat." Let's just chat. She well, she was also going from airport to airport. She right. was traveling at the time, and so that made sense. But then what we found out is after she offered and accepted the role was that she just shaved her head. You found a photo online. Didn't I found you? a photo like well, yeah on her Instagram account. Yeah. She's like, "Look at my new haircut." It's right. like, oh. Um, now I'm not saying that I think that Cleo avoided a Skype call because no, she didn't think want to so. know. Because she right away was like, "Oh yeah, of course I'll wear a wig." Well, that's the other thing too. Yeah. It's like it's it's the easiest thing in the world. Her hair is now designed to put a wig on. But we really love the look. We love the look. We thought it gave her this a different kind of edge, almost like a punk kind of uh, 
kind of uh, vibe. A, a vibe that goes with the nerdy scientist and the beautiful. I mean, it was just perfect. And whenever you cast someone, like Cleo's done, has a body of work. And so whenever you cast someone who, who's done some stuff, it's always nice when they can come to your project and look different. Yeah, or it added just something that you weren't expecting, which was great. She was awesome. There's like like Tommy Amber Peary, who looks very different from her role in The Go-Getters. She does look different than she did in your last film, where she played a part in the term crack ho? Is that a, fair? Uh, a crack whore, oh, I sorry, believe, is sorry, the whore. technical term. Sorry, that's the politically correct Yeah. <laughs> right. And here's Tommy. Let's point out, of course, that Tommy has, has appeared in most of your work. Pretty if, much if everything since How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town. In which we played lovers, and now and your brother and sister, but playing siblings. That's and, right. And, and there's there's another famous screen duo who has done that, but they did mother and son and lovers. Who's that? <laughs> oh, is this a trivia question? Yeah, a famous screen duo. They played mother. And I couldn't say. Oh, I shouldn't say famous screen duo, but they but played. They've done it. They played I mother don't, and I'm son. Not play this game, it's and they take played lovers. Time, just tell me. Sally Field and Tom Hanks. So they were lovers in Punchline, and they were mother and son in Forrest Gump. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so Tommy uh, was the first person cast in this movie because we wrote the part for her, which is something I uh, I tend to do with yeah. actors. I have someone in mind. Um, so we were able to write it in her sardonic, witty voice. So before we get to the person who just pulled up in the car, it might be interesting to note that originally you were not going to play this part. That's right. When we originally conceived of this... We had a much younger idea for both characters. We were going to have the old James be in his, you know, that was going to be you, forties and fifties, and young James is going to be in his like early twenties. But then this brilliant idea came uh, to us, uh, and it made everything make 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 sense that uh, that I would that James should be James should be a man around his forties because he's at that point in life where it's almost too late uh, to make changes. Where you feel like there's so much life behind you, and you're at that crossroads as opposed to a young man who has his whole life in front of him James doesn't have all that much time left <laughs> well he's not dying but yeah but he it's at that point where it's like are you gonna get married are you gonna have kids right. are you gonna or are you just gonna go down this path by yourself um, and so yeah it made a lot of, a lot more sense to us and it kind of opened up this this world of just iconic great actors that could play the older you I mean limited to someone who would look like you right and so here we are. We're about to see his face for the first time. Mr. Daniel Stern. Mr. Daniel Stern. Who you might remember from such films as the Home Alone series. City Slickers. Diner. The, the voice of the older Kevin Arnold. <laughs> That's right. I almost forgot that one. Breaking Away. I mean, so Daniel Stern. The helicopter with Blue Thunder? Blue Thunder. We, yes, Blue Thunder. We, we grew up on Daniel Stern's movies. And uh, and now he's in a movie that we made, which is crazy. Now, this sequence uh, we had to sh- shoot it piecemeal because it rained, it rained like crazy on this night, this very night. So some of these shots we had to have rain digitally removed, didn't we? Jamie? Yeah. When you when you turn it around, we did this stuff first because it was leading into a stunt, and uh, and we were shooting. This is we should say we should say we shot the movie in Sudbury, Ontario yep. in and around lovely Sudbury, this Ontario this is right in the heart of Sudbury literally the only alley in Sudbury uh, <laughs> so, no, I'm not kidding like oh, we, really? well kind of the you only really film, all, the only filmable one that you could believe is closed off so there this is a raining it's raining like crazy on me right and now and they digitally painted yeah. it out Darren Wall and his team brilliant VFX uh, guy 
Also, that shot a different night. That's right. We stole that shot another night. We had to come back because we didn't get it all. Yeah. So we sit. So that's another trick as filmmakers is like you make your wish list and you realize what can I get later because it's a, we don't need all the dumpster. We don't need anything. I think you're staying on an apple box. Now watch. This is me doing the stunt for real. That's I do not my Jonas. own stunts. Jonas. No, this is not Jonas. I do all my own stunts. That's Jonas getting up for real. And this was fully rain all through the shot. They painted out. And by the way, the posters that were on the wall in the alley there were from my my previous movie, Borealis. We needed some posters, so I brought those in. Okay. And there I am waking up. I was uh, I was unconscious. He was really unconscious. I was actually, I'm a method actor. I do my own stunts, and I actually make myself unconscious for scenes in which I'm unconscious. Yeah, and the pee that is in that he peed himself with, that Jonas peed himself for real. You know, he did it. That's n- true. Knew at the top of every take. Yeah. I yeah. drink he's, a lot of juice. He's like a dog where he can just like let a little come out at a time. That's right. Um, and Daniel Stern, by the way, we should say, is awesome in every possible way. Yeah. This, this man got very, very inv- interested and involved with this project. And he came on fairly early fairly on. Fairly early. We had him almost a year, I think, before we shot. Yep. And he gave us the best script notes of anybody in the process. And what was great is because sometimes you just get notes from an actor and it's obviously just about their part. <laughs> I think I should have more beautiful women to make love to in this movie. Yeah, or I should have a, a, a this scene or that scene. Big or, monologue. But his was a lot about like paring it down, what's this about, and just gave us really, really great notes to help us focus the story. And even, you know, moments that he's not in. So that's... You know, that's because he's also a writer and a director in his own right. In fact, what he actually said when he read the first set of notes he gave us was, you guys have written me an amazing character, and I really love this journey and this character. Now we got to make the rest of the movie live up to it. You know, he, he had us kind of focusing mostly on the rest of the movie. Uh, it's true. It's very, very generous, and he's, uh, he's a terrific person. He's also terrifying, but n- not in real life. He just terrifies me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and this was kind of his look when we first skyped with him too. Yeah, and we, we said, said don't and, change anything. And don't change anything. We kind of love it. Yeah, and he's kind of a reclusive guy. He's not interested in living in the city. He lives outside of Los Angeles on a farm, and an avocado did, farm, an avocado farm, and he kind of rejects the traditional Hollywood kind of lifestyle. He's an artist. He makes these beautiful sculptures. He's a bronze sculptor. Bronze sculptor. He's a really interesting man. Very eclectic. He's also a writer, a playwright. He wrote, he's written for TV, film, theater. He's a director. Yeah. He's everything. He's done huh? a little bit of everything. Beautiful human being. But he's also the kind of guy, you know, if you go to a restaurant with him in downtown Sudbury <laughs> and he gets did. recognized and it's a little kid's birthday. Oh. He'll hang out with that kid for a few minutes and give him his time. Yeah. And uh, but he's not yeah, he's not one of those people that kind of seek out fame or really really wants attention. He's just kind of a regular guy and that I, was so I, lovely. I really thought that if when he was going to get approached in public he'd be very uncomfortable because he really doesn't, you know, like attention, but he was so generous and yeah. so warm to people. He knows how to do that. Yeah, he's and, good. Yeah, and so he when he stayed in Sudbury, often when uh, like you know an actor of Daniel's stature comes to town, they want a, a big house or like the best hotel suite in uh, the best hotel rented. Yep. But he wanted a cabin in the middle of nowhere. Literally, literally forty five minutes outside of Sudbury, dirt road, dirt road, dirt road, 
no phone service. We had to get him a like a I don't know like a transponder transmitter unit thing. Uh, it yeah. was crazy. It the, was, the weekend before we started shooting, Jonas and I took him out for dinner with yeah. Tommy. We went out for like a nice dinner, and we drove him you know thirty minutes to this cabin in the middle of nowhere, and the power was out, <laughs> and we left him there, and he's like, "I'm totally good. I got matches." Yeah, I know. He's like, I got candles. It was like he was like a Dickensian. Yeah, he did not care. Gown and a candlestick, and he was totally happy. He loved it. Yeah, I got my script pages. I got my guitar. I'll see you guys. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. All right. See you later, buddy. Yeah. Uh, notice we have the exact same eyes. I don't know if you've noticed that. That was a relief. I remember when when we were talking about you know who we were going to get for this. I was like, it was so important to me that we had actor with the same color eyes. Well, that's just it. I mean, there's. Other, I mean, another way you could do this movie is, is just you play both parts and you motion capture it, which is not something that was in our budget. No, I don't think that was. Yeah. No, but that's another way you can do it, right? I and guess it's, so. And it's yeah. been done. You know, um, Back to the Future Part Two. Yeah, he's right, playing uh, yeah. multiple parts of his own family. Yeah, and, that's true. You know, there's lots of movies with that kind of stuff. But like, what we wanted, we kind of went with the conceit and the idea being that. Time travel fucks you up. Yeah. And so it's not a perfect technology. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we kind of went, let's make sure we have an actor that can have a similar essence mm-hmm. to, to Jonas. It didn't have to look exactly the same. But it didn't have to look exactly the same. And whatever physical differences they have, we'll just have some fun with in the script. And so Danny is a huge, he's a beast. And so we play with the idea that time travel stretches you out. Right. And, the past uh, and the present pulling at you and other. By the way, it's also worth noting that that was the scene where I, where, where Jimmy convinces James that he is, in fact, him from the future. And all it is is look at his penis. That's the only... As soon as I look at his penis, I recognize my own, my own weird penis. And that's it. But we had we had written so much more. I love the pushing we do too. For, yeah, it's like a big reveal. We had we had written all this great stuff. Jimmy saying things that only James would know, and and you know, and then and it was really Danny that was like, guys, all you need is the penis, is the dick. And you know what? And through the whole test screening process, nobody ever blinked. They're like, no, we buy it. We're yeah. good. We're in. Yeah. The big question was, do you believe that this is future James? Everybody, yeah, we didn't have any problem with that. Nobody ever had an issue with that. This, of course, Tara Spencer Nairn, uh, Canadian legend uh, and friend of ours uh, from Corner Gas, which is one of the most and, successful shows in Canadian history. And doesn't really like to uh, play, play cops. cops anymore, but did it for us. She helped us. And out. also the people that this house belongs to that we rented oh are huge Corner Gas fans, and they freaked out when they found out that yeah. Tara Spencer Nairn was going to be pooping in their toilet. In fact, it was like the other bedroom. It was the kid. The kid had all the Corner Gas DVDs and books and stuff. Uh, I, love, I love this joke, Stupid's Lunch. <laughs> right, because she called me stupid because I'm stupid. Yeah, it's funny. It is funny. Because you're not stupid. Anyway, yeah. So they were very happy to have both Daniel Stern and Tara Spencer Nairn. They were way more excited to have Tara Spencer Nairn in their house, let's face it. Yeah. But they were excited to have Danny, too. Sure. They didn't have the Home Alone movies, though, in their DVD collection. Yeah. We got lucky with this house. It was actually... I... Uh, oh, God. It, it When you're shooting out in location and you you're you know you can't build stuff, it, it's challenging. And so I kind of had... The task I gave to our locations department was that I wanted a house that was older, but like doesn't have to be super old, but that these two people, Meredith and James would have grown up in. Right. 
and not have updated that much Because they wouldn't inside. have done Reno since their parents died. No, they wouldn't have really... But And the problem is, you, you can find a lot of houses from the 70s and 80s, but most of them have renovated kitchens. Yep. So there's really only two or three houses we can pick between, and we got really lucky <gasps> Who's that? that? Is that Francis Conroy from Six Feet Under? And we gave Francis Conroy this beautiful intro where we parted people and this little music thingy. That is Francis Conroy. I know. I'm a big fan. It's we all- were shocked <laughs> yeah. that Francis Conroy yeah. accepted being in our movie. That she not only accepted it, she got so excited about it. She showed up with three books about you know physics and time travel theory and, and, and yeah, and she had like. Uh, eulogies from people's funerals. She was very, very researched and prepared. She is a complete professional and such a lovely person. Yeah, the amount of time and effort she put into this role. And I got emails from her like weeks after still talking about the ideas in the movie and stuff way after she'd finished shooting. She's such a lovely human being. She really is. Uh, And like you said, just a consummate professional actor where... You know, for her to come and do this part, this, you know, not small part, um, but not a lead part in, a, in our movie, is, uh, and put that much effort in is really, really heartwarming to know that for her it doesn't matter the scope or scale of the movie. Because she went after this, she went off and did uh, Joker. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie where he plays uh, her, his mother. She plays his mother. I can't wait. I, I would love to know the research she did for that. <laughs> yeah, if, me too. If, if she put this her. level of in for ours, this is all improvised and ad libbed. We wanted to. We had a little extra time on this day, and you said, uh, "Hey Chernick, why don't you just go and wander around and recap the whole movie?" You know, we were like, "Oh, this is be this be great. We'll recap the whole movie so that if we're, when we're in editing and audiences are confused about anything, we will have answers." Because I'm mumbling to myself. Reminding myself what's going on, and ultimately we didn't need it for that purpose. But we did find that there was some some good sort of for the pacing it worked, and there was some good comedic stuff in here. Um, but it was this was not scripted. Yep, this is probably the biggest like thing we just did Spontan- spontaneously. Yeah. Well, you never have to, on a low budget movie. You never have time to shoot extra stuff. But with a director like Jeremy Lalonde and our <laughs> crack crew getting stuff on time. We we did have time to play. We never we were never really we never went over time and we never had to rush. It was yeah. really great. And, and we'll we'll talk about that location next time we get to it. But oh the 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 workplace yeah yeah uh, this location of course uh, very interesting it was like a community hall kind of a place yeah and it's been in other Canadian movies too. I think it's in Born to Be Blue. Uh, oh really? It, they use it as a recording studio. Oh yeah, I think. Oh yeah, all right. Yeah, this is this is another tough location because I think in the script we had written that it was supposed to be an old warehouse. It was supposed to be an old warehouse filled with like broken, and now it's sort of a mysterious junk yard inside a old broken down community hall. It's kind of a mysterious sort of place. I love the stuff that that we found to put in here. Uh, and, and, and sort of the makeshift kitchen in the corner. Yeah, so we wanted Jimmy to be able to live somewhere where he... We had originally written this first act of this movie where you see James become Jimmy over the course of 30 years. Like in a, mo- a very fast-paced montage of him deteriorating as he keeps whipping back in time. And, and keeps on revisiting. And Rowley keeps sending him back in the machine, sending him back in the machine. And he keeps waiting for time to catch up by hiding out in these warehouses and abandoned buildings. Yeah. And uh, again, another Danny Stern 
Uh, no. He's like, you don't need that. It's like, we're like, what? And probably we, we couldn't wrap our heads around that. Probably saved us like a week of shooting oh, and yeah. half a million dollars. We actually could never have done it the yeah. way we'd scripted it. But so, so we wanted to, so kind of like the, the task we gave to our production designer and locations again was just, we need options for spaces that could be empty, but then he could also just make like a makeshift home out of random stuff that's in there. And so this coffee pot mm-hmm. is like a homemade coffee pot out of just copper pipes. Funnel and a copper pipe. Yeah, so we wanted all we wanted to feel very DIY. Yeah. And cuz it also does two things. It shows that he's living off the grid, but also that he spent this time in hiding just learning how to do this kind of stuff cuz what else was he doing? And here's our nod to Looper, right? Our our Bruce Willis uh, Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt uh, profile. This is where this is where you can it, really. It's half Looper, half Spielberg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark arc. There's that great shot in Raiders of the Lost Ark where Marion's having a drinking contest, and it goes into her, and then it pushes back out, and then goes into him. And I wanted to do something similar here. Uh, I love this winter. You guys were just so great in there. We shot coverage for the scene, but we never used it. No, we didn't need it. It's a really nice winter and a beautiful tracking shot. I mean, the camera team really pulled it off, and, and the focus stays sharp the whole time. Yeah. Mmm, tasty croissant. I'm kind of feeling like I could have a croissant right now. You ate so many croissants that day. I ate a lot of croissants. Jonas and I uh, lived together in Sudbury while we were making the movie with our good friend producer Jordan Walker. Because I lost a bet, and Jonas, <laughs> no. Uh, so, and one of the things we had a competition was who could lose more weight, Jonas and I, while we were shooting. And so I would do stuff like make Jonas eat like five croissants. Yeah, which was great. I ended up gaining thirteen pounds. Yeah, and I lost twenty. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, thank you. We also played squash. Which squash helped. We'd never. I'd, I haven't played squash in four, 30 years. Yeah. Have you played since? Nope. I would play squash with you. Oh, I would love. Oh, now. Now. Oh my God. Now you've lost 50 pounds since we shot this movie. Yeah. So I would do well. I yeah. think. All right. I'll take it. I'll take you on. We'll have to find a court. So yeah. So this scene. It's funny. And this is a tough scene. This is a you know a five or six page scene of just mostly exposition. And so you run the risk of it being kind of boring, and, and so we spent a lot of time making getting it tight as possible, but then also for Scott and I, the, the DP, just trying to make it as, as cinematic and flowy and filmy as possible so it's not just two people sitting down. The light coming in through the window, and you know, it's, it's a beautifully shot scene. You also took liberties in editing and, and pared it down even more. I mean, yeah. it really is now the bare bones information that we, what we need uh, to help us get through this next stage of the story. Should we talk about in, the, in a previous draft of the script where the scene first took place? At the strip club. Took place in a strip club. We love that scene. While they were getting a lap dance. Well, he was making James get a lap dance. He was he's trying to get me to enjoy life and look around me and enjoy the here and now, and he forced me to have a lap dance with a very intelligent dancer. Yeah. Who was revealed to be you know, speak several languages. And, and we had cat Christine Horn was gonna play her, because uh, Christine Horn is in all of my movies. Uh, and now all she is in this movie is she's the voice of Siri. Yeah. It's too bad. We could have found something else for Christina. Yeah, but I still got her, got her in. And because we were, we as filmmakers were like, this is an exposition scene. We need to make it as, we need to make it funny and entertaining. And so we thought putting in a strip club would do that. But it turns out you just have two great actors do the scene and it's fine. Oh, you just called me a great actor. That's really sweet. Yeah. You're okay. Oh, well, okay. One great actor and one, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm holding my own with him. I you think. Get, oh, you totally are. 
just want to reach out and scratch his beard. I want to see you grow a beard like that. I could never grow a beard like that. It's true. It's not. That's not a thing. If you don't get your shit together by Friday, I know. Danny's so great because he can do. The, like, fuck, he sounds menacing and terrifying. Yeah. He really does. Yeah. Why don't you come back for it? So what was that like? I mean, you do these physical scenes with him. Yes. He would grab you. Yeah, and he would really grab me. I, uh, you know, Danny and I were very tight. We got really close on the show. But I always left an element of fear in there. Like, I always wanted to be a little bit afraid of him. Uh, So I encouraged him to be physical with me when he was. I mean, I don't mind uh, him, you know, him grabbing me and really grabbing me. And I was never afraid that I was going to get hurt with him. But I there was always an element of he. I'm I'm a tall guy, and he towers over me. I'm six. I'm almost six one. Yeah, he. Well, that's kind of the weird thing with Danny too. Is he makes you look small. Yeah, he makes me look like a small person, and I'm not. I'm not okay. I'm not. Not that there'd be anything wrong with that either. No. But he is a, a B, I think he's what, 6'3", 6'4"? No, I think he's 6'4". Yeah, he's a big. Yeah, he's a, he made, same thing, I'm, you know, 5'11", something like that. Mm-hmm. He makes you feel uh, small in stature. He definitely does. There's nothing you can do about it. But he's a big, warm teddy bear. Yep. But he can turn. I think, I don't think he actually ever really got mad. I never saw him get mad for Just that you. one time you ate his omelet. That's not a thing. Uh, I don't think he ate omelets. He did eat omelets. He had an omelet every morning because we had this amazing craft service oh, yeah, person true. who would make custom omelets. See, this is where you can see the, the nose curvature. Remember yeah. we, we had talked about maybe we need a line in there about why his nose looks different, but we have that time travel fucks you up. He broke his nose at some point in oh, the God. past. Troublemaker. Here we are down by the water. And we have this bird flies on cue oh, for us. I know. You know how much it costs to wrangle that bird? The hilarious thing was, I was actually at the monitor. I'm like, bird, fly! And it flew. Oh, that, that moment. It was bizarre. Was because you communicate with animals? No, no. I got lucky. I just... Oh, luck happened out. It was random? It was random. But it just... The funny thing was the timing actually worked out. It seemed like I could communicate with animals that day. Uh... That's yeah, a, that's a background actor that just walked past. That yeah, was that was a, not a happenstance. No, no, that was planned. No mistakes in this movie. All of, uh, all of that is planned. Those people back there, those actually probably were real people. Yeah, we brought all these cars in. <laughs> no, that's not true. Totally controlled environment. It's so this true. is down. The one great thing, Sudbury has this beautiful lake in the middle of it. Yeah. And when we first showed up, we were doing pre-production in late March, early April. Yep. And the lake was frozen over when we showed up. By the time we were shooting, it looked like this. Yeah, it thawed, yeah. Yeah, we got there for prep and it was all, it was still snowy. But look how green and beautiful and lush it was. Yeah. We actually got pretty lucky with the weather. I think those are real people as well. So we kind of used water to represent, you know, James's past, his, his parents. parents. We never actually say overtly how his parents died. Uh, or do we say it? The plane. I think we met, we, plane, we, the, we start to flirt plane, with a plane, plane crash. Water. But we really shied away from going too too deep, overplaying that or overselling this idea of parents, and we never see the parents. And yeah, um, I really love this little scene yeah, with Tommy. This is and this fun. is one of those ones where we saved it for the end of the day because we wanted to have that sunset. Mm-hmm. Light, That's right. We and Scott just ran around like a madman with the camera. He's sitting, he's standing on the water with the camera right now. That's how he got that shot, the last wow. shot. Wow. 
Wowzers. Uh, so for nerds, if you listen to the movie they're watching, uh, it's my last film that Tommy Amber Perry is in called The Go-Getters. Jonas also has a small cameo. Thank you. Not a great date movie. Not really. a great date night movie. Uh, that would not be a movie I would opt to show a woman on a date. First scene we shot with Daniel Stern was this one. That's right. And he has that. Danny can make a man bun work. Oh, yeah. Um, it's also probably worth noting that Cleo Coleman is an Australian person. And she has the most impeccably perfect North, I'm going to say North American accent. Cause, as opposed to Canadian? Yeah, as opposed to, because she's not really doing a Canadian accent in this. But but even Canadians don't do Canadian accents no, in movies because it's kind of it's trained true. out of you, right? You would never know that if you hadn't, if you didn't. I mean, I guess she did the, she spoke with her natural uh, cadence in uh, Last Man on Earth, but she just so, eff- she doesn't use a vocal coach. She doesn't use a, she has nobody on set. A lot of actors with act, uh, who are from other, from, from foreign countries will use, um, you know, a, a coach on set. She's just perfect. There's never a moment where you where it it slips in. No, she's so cute. She she brings this like yeah. real innocence that we were not initially expecting or thinking of for Courtney. Yeah, like but it's got this nerd energy. I don't know. I just love what she did with this character. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, she she brings that that sweetness, that childlike innocence, yeah. but also she's a genius. We uh, knew she was going to so be great, but then when we sat down at, for the table read right after, Jonas and I were just staring at each other with we're giddy. glee. Uh, and, she, and she's also a writer, too. She wrote her own sci-fi movie. That's right, Hover, which yeah. was, uh, I think it aired on Sci-Fi Network. Sure, you can buy it on iTunes now? Um, probably available on iTunes. I'm this. So this, this Star Wars joke is actually, I gotta give credit to my son Ephraim. Yep. This is his Thing. He the first time he watched Star Wars when he was five years old, he had this issue with it. So I wanted to sneak it in the script, thinking it would probably get cut out because people wouldn't like it. But it stayed in. People, yeah. it always just a little. Everybody laugh. knows Star Wars, especially if you're if you're watching a time travel movie with Daniel Stern. You're probably not familiar. Yeah, with those Star are the Wars. two bars you set. Exactly. Oh, this moment here. This so again. This is the first scene we shot with Danny. I wish we'd have done your side again because he does this little grunty thing when you do the yeah, yeah. That as soon as he scares the shit out of me, but it's like that's one of those things that you know we never really get my reaction from the other side. You get him, you get you get the back of my head. It's a real right here. Watch. Oh, you reacted. We got you. No, there. How about a drink? So great. He screams it, and I actually shit. You can see me. Yeah. Because he's yelling in my face. But it's just, that's one of those moments where you're like, we shot that scene, it was the first one, and after, I just walked away from that scene going, fuck, we have something special already. Yeah. And he's already found this great, kind of passive-aggressive relationship with, with yeah. Jonas. Yeah, we were, we, it was very, very immediate. Yeah, it's just, and that's what you want. I mean, every scene, you need conflict. And so for Danny to come in, Danny's such a smart actor to know that. So fun fact... Uh, Danny owns an avocado farm, as I mentioned. This is the first time he'd ever actually made avocado or, or guacamole, and he did it on camera. You, you'd think a guy who, who lives on you'd and think owns that. an avocado farm so would this, have regular guac. And this was all improvised. We just put the camera on a circle track. This is a story. She's telling a real story. It's telling a actual story about one of her friends. So I just told Cleo to tell you guys stories yep. and for you guys to listen and just eat. I think you guys ate, each ate two or three tacos. Yep. 
I ate a lot of tacos. It was pretty tasty. How, how were they? Were they, they were, good? They were pretty good. Yeah, like that. Like the props department actually put some really good stuff out. Um, it was it was pretty tasty. It's pretty delicious. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to get real reactions of you guys talking. We didn't need anything specific here. So you each had your marching orders for what I wanted to get out of you. And this is I like this tracking shot. He's coming through them. This I think this is when we our our first AD uh, was like, huh. This is a good movie. When he saw the way I wanted to shoot this scene, he was very impressed for some reason that day. Yeah, you won. You won his respect. And this is tough. It's like whenever you're shooting a room with white walls, it's kind of a no-no. But luckily, this wall has that texture on it that it's not so bad. Uh, we got really lucky with this house. It has some really interesting architecture inside of it. You know what's really interesting to note, too? We were looking at a lot of different actresses for this part. It was actually Danny and his team that threw, threw the name Cleo Coleman at us. And we were like, oh, wait a minute. We love Last Man on Earth. Yeah. We, both of us independently loved the show. We were like, she's perfect. But that, that it actually came, came from Danny and his team. They that were, is was, true. Yeah. I just think it's worth noting. It's kind that of interesting. True. A little... Little side note. Yeah, I mean that's one great thing too. So we're Canadian filmmakers. Uh, these are uh, an, that's a, she's a Kiwi actor and he's an American actor. And so what's kind of great is is a lot of times you get lucky and once you cast one of your your big leads and if they have any kind of uh, following or, or traction with them, mm-hmm. a lot of times their team gets really involved and and starts making suggestions for either other actors at their agency yep. or, or management company or just friends of theirs that they know would probably be interested. I so. think you're going to get in trouble for calling her Kiwi. Is that, is that derogatory? That's New Zealand. Oh, but she's from New Zealand. Is she's she not? She's Australian. Australian. I'm sorry. I'm See, that's my small town yeah. racism coming through. Oh, yeah. It was just so, it's so racist of you. Sorry. She's an Aussie. She's an Aussie. There you go. I'm sorry to uh, people in both Australia and New Zealand. All of the Australians and New Zealanders watching this. I'm very sorry if that offended anybody. Really really sorry. Thank you for calling me on my... I'm going to call it as I see them. Yeah, we got to do that now. We got to call each other out on that. On that shit. (laughs) So uh, this is, you know, oftentimes in movies you got to cheat an exterior for an interior. We didn't have to do that here. The, The house is the house. Oh yeah, yeah. This is actually the front door, front porch of the house. Although I do remember that we were shooting this pretty late at night, and I was concerned that we were waking up the neighbors. I'm very, very conscientious. Well, you don't want to get kicked out. You don't want to get kicked out. You don't want to. You don't want the cops coming. But we did the smart thing where we basically said, "Hey, to the neighbors, mm-hmm. we got a craft service I, truck." I think we also paid some of them. Yeah, I think yeah, someone got yeah. paid. But well, we were using one of their bathrooms, weren't we? We were using bathrooms. We were using their driveways for vehicles and stuff. And yeah. yeah, we invited them all to enjoy our food. Yeah, when you open up the craft service truck to people, people like they uh, tend to let some shit go. So this is a wonder. Let's talk about this. This is a long, very long scene, um, but you shot it as a wonder, and it, it, we uh, we love it. Yeah, and I I had shot listed it to do you know shoot Coverage. it a different way, but what had happened was we had already had the the circle track down for the the previous scene where you guys are table. eating eating at the table. And so Scott and I just, you, we, we started rehearsing the scene with you and Cleo, and I really liked kind of the flow of it. And so we decided, well, let's shoot the, the master first. And Scott, I just, I wanted him to creep around at certain points and try to hit that. And so I was like, well, let's at least start here and see if it just works from there. And if, if we need to do go in and get coverage after, we will. Which we didn't. 
which we didn't. And I loved uh, I loved bringing her in from the other room and then ending up back in that spot to reveal Danny has snuck himself in. Yeah. Uh, and it just worked out. And I tend to, if you watch my movies, you'll find that uh, I tend to do this. I do like one big, at least one big one in each movie that is just a little bit of movement to the shot and letting two actors just go because I just don't know how we would have gotten these performances and this scene this way if we had done coverage. Yeah. Um, it just occurred to me that we never introduced ourselves at the beginning of this audio commentary. So the average Joe probably doesn't know or maybe has figured it out by now that you are Jeremy Lalonde, the director and writer of this film. Who do you think they thought I was, I don't know. I'm just going to make that clear now. And I'm Jonas Chernick. I played James in the movie. I also wrote the movie with Jeremy and I was one of three producers on the film. Sorry if you were confused up to this point. Yeah. So both writers, I director, he producer, and that guy on the left. Uh, this is humiliating because it uh, reminds me of so many times in my life where I've I've gone in. This she's so good here. To kiss a person. Well, this is nice. You told her because she felt you you, uh, you gave her this note to come get to come and touch me after, because when she says no and rejects me, it kind of feels like we're so far apart that there's no way this could end with a date. Yeah. And I remember you gave her on the last take. You gave her the note. Go and just take his arm and just you know find some connection with him. And that I think that makes the whole scene because she rejects me, laughs at me. I turn away, but then she brings me back in with this little gesture with her hand on my arm. See, she does this little touchy thing. Well, I think it's important because otherwise it's it's because she's doing this self conscious thing here, which is totally what you need. But yeah. but you also want to let the audience know that it's like she feels bad right away, mm-hmm. and that there is this intimacy between you two. And it's just a matter, and it's always that question when it's like you have friends that have people been, you know, whenever you're transitioning a relationship from one. From the friend zone. From the friend zone, yeah. as it were, into something else. Like that's a challenging, awkward thing to do. From the friend zone into sexy time, let's say. And that's the other thing. We didn't want all of a sudden, like, I hate it too when you have those movies where these people have been friends for years. Yeah. And all of a sudden it just gets hot and steamy from the get go. And I'm like, that's just not real. Like, there's an awkwardness there. Totally. And that's what this scene, I, th- I think, does really, really well. I, yes, I do too. And I think we had we, we had various other versions of the script where we got into more detail about the history of this relationship they had dated when they were younger, and then it didn't work out. and the, Because we just wanted to address the idea that two relatively uh, young, attractive people who've been this close for so long that it hasn't come up. But I think we did it just through the way that we interact and through the way that we we relate to each other and the way that we respond to each other. Yeah, her body language is so great there. That, She's that's that my favorite thing. of her scenes. And but, yeah. And so and to uh, to our credit, most people <laughs> list this as one of their favorite scenes. I was going to say that scene tested extremely high when we did our test uh, test screenings. Yep. No one had a complaint about the length of it. Yeah. And uh, bought really bought that these two friends would end up, you know, going on this date and yeah, and I love the way we get, were able to reveal Danny. Yeah, it was great. It's so funny. And he had no problem just lying there drinking his tequila. Scene. Yeah, he's like, I think I just lie over here for this scene. Yeah, that's a good Danny Stern impression. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, here we go. So, fun fact. Yeah. So, because Joe, so as we said, Danny's a sculptor. Yep. And uh, has not, he, he has large hands to begin with. But they're also ridiculously strong <laughs> because he works with clay all the time. Yeah. And so Jonas um, 
I'm assuming you've you watched the movie before, so we're not spoiling anything coming up. When Jonas gets slapped in this scene, he actually asks Danny to uh, to just slap him once to see what it feel like because Jonas wanted to be slapped. No, I wanted to have it on camera. I wanted to have a couple of uh, at least a couple slaps in the close-ups where it was me actually getting slapped. But then when you had Danny do one for practice, you were terrified. I thought he literally broke my jaw, and he was like, and then he was like, "What are you talking about? I barely touched you." So, uh, so I realized that wasn't going to work. So someone else had to slap Jonas. And who do you think immediately volunteered to slap me gleefully? So at this point, I've lived with Jonas for a month and a half, <laughs> and we're about halfway shooting the movie. So I was like, you know what? And I think this was like a day that things were not going great. Because we were really behind. Because oh. there was some miscommunication. So I'm like, I'll slap Jonas. <laughs> you were getting, yeah, you were having a, yeah, you were having not a great day. And you thought this would be a great way to relieve some, and, it, and you know what, it turned your day around. It really did. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. If you can slap your lead actor uh, and not get in trouble for it. Yeah. I recommend it. Mm-hmm. You would slap me every day with your words. Yeah, And yeah, then yeah. today you but, got to slap me. And right here. Yeah. Was the one where you caught me off guard by coming on? Oh, the second, the double slap, double slap. Uh, (laughs) Oh my god, that's a lot of ketchup. He emptied the bottle. Yep, every time. It makes a fart sound. Yeah. So anyway, so that was me uh, in the in the tighter shot, uh, slapping Jonas. It's my hand. Which is not nearly as... It's the same size as Danny's. Mm. No, no, it is. It's, it's roughly the I same. Not, not now it wouldn't that's be. True. My hands are skinnier. But, um, <laughs> but definitely not the same strength. No, not even close. In I'm fact, so happy. When you slapped me, it, was, it felt like a light br- like a breeze. Like, there was a, like the breeze picked up from the, r- r- from the lake a little bit. And then that's you, fine. And you were giving it to me as hard as you could. Yeah, and, and you, I barely you, felt it. You acted the hell out of that moment. Thank you. So I'm, I'm uh, one of the little nerdy, jokey things that are in the movie that I'm really proud of was that ketchup joke. Yeah. About how ketchup in the future... We, we try to sneak in these little things about what the future's like. Right. Little and, bits. The and, bees and the ketchup. And ketchup not existing was one of mine. I think that came up at one of the workshops we did where we were just riffing and I think I threw that out. And, and everyone liked it. And everyone liked it. And, but Danny, we mentioned nightshade vegetables, and Daniel Stern did not oh. believe anyone would know what that meant. He had a real hard time with us using nightshade vegetables as a term in the movie. He didn't think that that was a thing that anyone would know. Yeah, but people caught on to it. Not half people know what it is. It's and fine. if you don't know what it is, it just sounds like he's using a sciencey term. Yeah. There, by the way, he is not pretending to grab me by the collar and lift me up there. He, that, that is, he is, in fact, holding me up. And there's no, that's not fake. My face there, the irritation and fear is real. And there, that's not a pretend thing. Like, I didn't do the action there. He literally threw me, which is great. I love him for it. Thanks, Danny. Yeah. That's one of my favorite lines. It's the least disgusting part of it. Pig's assholes. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, that I think we got from... At least I think I pulled it from the Great Outdoors. Oh, really? The raccoons are talking about. You've never told me that you stole that line from the Great Outdoors. Well, no, it's just the, when the raccoons are raiding the garbage and they have the the subtitles of the raccoons. Mm-hmm. It's uh, lips and assholes. They call it hot dogs. Oh yeah, but lips and assholes is a thing. Everyone yeah. knows that. 
So playing underneath this scene is a Jan Arden song. Yep. Jan uh, Arden, who uh, is a Canadian legend and icon, of course. And, and friend. And, and friend she was those. lovely enough to give us one of her songs for far less than uh, it's, it's, it's worth. Yeah. She was very uh, generous. And let us use her album art and stuff. And Tommy picked, uh, picked the song she wanted because she's also a big fan of John Ar- Jan Arden. She sure is. You might also notice the chalkboard wall in James's room has these. These equations are real. Are actual equations? Uh, we, oh yeah, we Peter talked Krieger, about Peter Krieger. So we reached out to one of the world's leading physicists, Peter Krieger, who works at the University of Toronto, who actually was involved in the construction of the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland, and he was amazing. He read every draft of uh, for us, gave us amazing notes and feedback, gave us actual equations, helped us design the model for the LHC that's coming up later. Uh, yeah, because we had it down as a, a circular, as a ring collider, and he was like, no, make it, make it linear. Right, which we didn't know what that was, but thankfully he explained yeah. it to us. Oh, this was fun, too. The Indian restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember... Um, uh, this is hilarious. Our, so, our location... <laughs> screw it. You know what? Our crack locations team. Our crack locations team... Yeah. Uh, found us great locations. Found us great locations, but not a good Indian restaurant. Couldn't find us an Indian restaurant. Couldn't find a good Indian restaurant that in looked Sudbury. Good. Well, they found Indian restaurants, but they all looked like just holes in the walls inside, or just didn't look like rooms. And so Jonas and I were at the during production prep. During prep, we're in the production office one day, and, and he and I were like, "I feel like going for Indian buffet today. Me you want to? Yeah, let's get some Indian food." We go downtown Sudbury and walk into this place. It's like, why the fuck have we not seen? Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? We're eating lunch at an Indian restaurant on the main. Strip of Sudbury. That is very filmic. And I think we're eating it, and I said, wait a minute, isn't the locations team say they couldn't find us an Indian restaurant for the Indian restaurant scene? We're in one right now! And it was amazing, and so we were able to get it. Yeah, thankfully. It's gorgeous. It was beautiful, except that thing behind her. Oh, I love that. tank. But it made a lot of noise. No. That thing makes a lot of noise. That's fine. It's beautiful, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is great. So we should talk about this this gag of uh, the shtick of ordering for your partner on this day, but ordering like the most disgusting thing you can think of. Is this not something that you actually did at one point in this your life? This is something that a, a lady and I that I used to date did. Uh, like repeatedly or just once? I think it was like kind of an ongoing thing. We do was, it every now and then. That was your thing. That was your thing. You would, you would order for each other and, or make each other eat gross things. Well, just stuff that we knew the other person didn't that, like. Wouldn't, it's, not, it's not the kind of thing that it's like, I'm going to throw up from eating this. It had right. to be something that you could digest. But just the kind of thing that is like, because it's always that cute thing where it's like, I'm going to order. I think we were trying to make yeah, fun yeah, of that yeah, trouble yeah. of like, the guy. The romantic thing of ordering for someone. Uh, isn't your great fear mayonnaise yeah and mayonnaise like mayonnaise like substances can't do it so oh, I got food poisoning once and it's one of those things for my, for you. my body so goes that's poison so isn't it interesting then that you wrote it in for her that she's eating yogurt something covered in what looks like the thing that you fear the most I know it's yogurt I don't like yogurt either I don't, I, I'm fine with frozen yogurt because it's regular cause yogurt it's like I didn't grow up with yogurt so it's not one of those like tastes yeah, that I have I understand I, when she eats her, her the bite, when she takes the bite of it, it's, by the way, it's gluttonous and cold. It's, just, it's cold by now because we've been sitting. And she actually, you got to love the commitment. She actually, she did not have a spit bucket. She ate so many bites of that disgusting Fuck, This is such a beautiful term. Again, it's like, I for me, I'm like, if you're going to do a scene of two people having a romantic, fun dinner mm. and, and really connecting, I'm like, you got to do something you haven't seen before. I have not seen something like this before. 
She uh, she ad libbed by the way that uh, like coming out as hot mud. The hot mud. Yep. So again, not romantic, but it's yeah. like it's also it's like cute. She's I didn't want it to just be this scene of you guys just staring at each other longingly. I wanted to show a connection. Yeah. And there's we're, something. We're also best friends, so like there's that that comfort level plays into the chemistry. But then little moments like that, like the the callback yeah. to the when yeah. Jimmy cleans it off her. And just her listening to you have a moment talking with your parents. And boy, does she nail this moment, which is is scripted, but it's not. There's no dialogue. It's just that she hears James talking about referencing his parents, which he never does. And and she did look at her eye. I mean, she just plays this so beautifully. Yeah. And so sometimes you put temp music in going, I'm never going to get that song. This is a song I have wanted to put in a movie since I was a teenager, since I first heard Cheryl Crow's Tuesday Night Music Club album yeah. or whatever it's called. Yep. And fuck, I've loved this song for forever. It's called I Shall Believe. And I put it in going, we're never going to get it, but this is the vibe I wanted. And then you showed it first to me and Jordan and... Our composers. And Ian. We watched it together in this room. Yeah. And we all three of us, including our composer, who probably would have loved the opportunity to compose a piece for this... Looked at you and said, "That's the we, we're getting that song. We have to have this song here. It's so perfect." And we got lucky that we were, we somehow managed to get it. Yeah, well, and it's just it's so perfect. It just worked so well. And I'm my 15 year old self is very happy that I was finally able to 20 years later uh, get that song in the movie. I also like that like that the the, the 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 sort of the famous songs that we licensed for the movie were Sarah McLaughlin, which comes up at the end, and Cheryl Crow and Jan Arden. I mean, it's kind of got a Lilith Fair vibe to it which oh, kind of yeah. which is really nice because it's like that was what we were going for with the nostalgia of the whole piece yeah we Daniel wanted Stern it's like all this stuff from the late 80s early 90s that we kind of wanted to throw back to back to the future like just that whole that whole flavor yeah, and so the music that we licensed really plays into that yeah and so back to Peter Krieger our consultant our science consultant so he gave us notes on all the sciencey stuff to get, you know, time travel is not real, spoiler alert. Um, but he also gave us the idea how to rewrite this sex scene with ice. We, we said very specifically, we need something here that he can be doing with ice that... Click, or just doing. Yeah, doing that, that clicks him into out of the scene because he's figured out the mystery the science mystery that he couldn't solve well and, and the ice thing was the, the, we did have the ice thing because that's, that's something that I think people do in high school exactly and yeah that's very cute it's, it's like oh let's ice. try let's, yeah, let's be sexy let's get an ice cube yeah. yeah or strawberries would be another one but he came he was like I don't know if I can come up with that's very specific and sure enough a few days later he said he had this idea of he's making loop make him make loops with the with the ice cube and, and it's, it's yeah, he starts tracing it around and then starts yeah then he sees the loop it's a loop closed time like curves in general relativity yeah and the science by the way for those physicists and scientists who are watching the movie you'll agree the science holds up we've actually solved the mystery of time travel in this movie and we just had to dumb it down a little so that audiences wouldn't be alienated but in fact if you can understand these uh, these formulas on the wall, you will see that we actually theoretically have invented time travel. Is that true in any way? It might. It might be. All right. So, so I think what Jonas is saying is you owe us the money. 
<laughs> when you for, create time travel. Right. We should get a piece of that. We should get a, a piece of Obviously. that. Obviously. And the, so we built this chalkboard wall, but the, the homeowners wanted to keep it yeah, after. Yeah, they kept it. They really liked it. I think they kept the formulas on there, too. They were so proud of our movie. Hilarious. And now, little do they know, they have the secret to time travel on their bedroom wall. Hilarious. Isn't that great? They're the only people... Oh, I really blew that one, didn't I? You fucked that up so... I mean, I was so getting to first base. Bad. Look at the chunks, <laughs> how big those banana chunks are. James has never made a sandwich before. <laughs> this is his Part first is time like, ever. The last one you put on is like half the banana. <laughs> it's his first time ever making a sandwich. He PB&B? He ended, PB&B, right. We like PB&B better than PB&J. Um, oh, so dejected. Yeah, there were more scenes of uh, of James learning how to cook, and part of it is we added this one scene. Uh, I think it might be in the deleted scenes where he says, "Look at me, I'm cooking," uh, and that's we're making fun of our our good friend and producer Jordan Walker, who said that to me when I taught him how to boil water. Look at he me also cooking. lived with us. Yeah, he thinks boiling water is cooking. Yeah. Uh, so this was the last scene we shot with Danny Stern. Absolutely. He left that day. Now, you want to talk about this location, which yeah, was yeah, yeah. the architecture school? Architecture school of design, which hilariously designed a staircase that leads into a beam that you can crack your skull open. Yeah, that's I ironic, isn't it? It's very ironic. But other than that, it's a, it's a gorgeous. So, again, we wanted... We were looking for kind of a location for Rowley's office that it didn't look just like a science lab. We wanted to feel almost like a high tech startup. Yeah, like something you would see in like Silicon Valley. Yeah, you know, with like there's a pool table and a ping pong table, and everyone's got their workstations. And so again, you know, we're in Sudbury, not a lot of options, but we found this space and it had these two floors. But we also wanted her to have her own separate area. We had written so many different variations. At one point, she had a secret room. Mm. And yeah. so we were trying to figure out a, a, something that she could do or have. But the openness of this space with the light, natural light and the giant windows, I mean, it really, it really, it really warms it up and, and gives, it a, gives it the right feel. I, really, yeah. I love this location. So, so all these, these desks were there, and there was probably three times as many because it's they're all, and they're, they were all full of architecture stuff and so our, our production designer just kind of paired away and then made little sections and then cubicles and tried to give it some personality. And there's Frances put Cheerios in her pocket for no reason and just decided that, that her character would occasionally just eat dried Cheerios. Frances decided well, she also had seeds no she had seeds and nuts but then we had someone was allergic we had an allergy so she didn't want to obviously hurt anybody. So, yeah, she just thought that Rowley would just have little snacky things on her at all times. And so, yeah, she was just snacking on Cheerios all the time, which was such a fun piece. Uh, I want to point out the background actor on the right. I think he gives one of the finest background performances I've ever seen. I know he's not, he wasn't the focus of that scene, but I think he's terrific. He's now Who, who's cool singing that. this song? That's your, that's your woman. And your, and your kids. I'm in there too. You can hear me. And you. So this is uh, Ian's. Ian and Steve decided that we would re-record this song with all our ki- with children. So Again, we got your two kids and my two kids. I put this in as a temp track. This one bottle pop thing. Thinking everyone would go, what a stupid idea. Oh, it was perfect. Yeah. There was a ch- the, ch- the this is brother and sister finally bonding after years of alienation, and to put a song like that, playful, light. It was the perfect tone, and then to get our kids singing it, you got to give Steve credit for uh, uh, Ian and Steve credit for that idea. Yeah, and our kids were great. Yeah, we and had a lot Ian's of- son uh, as well, great singer. We had so much fun doing that. 
How do you like drunk acting, Jonas? Uh, I enjoyed drunk acting very much. Um, <laughs> the challenge with Tommy, too, is Tommy's never going to do the same thing twice. And Tommy's right. prone to, like, maybe hit you sometimes. Maybe? If she she oh, hit me so many times. And also, Tommy's just prone to, like, stealing your beer in real life or your drink. I don't know if she does that here, but... Tommy is, uh, if I could sing her praises for a moment, the fact that she never does the same thing twice is so exciting as a scene partner, as an acting partner, because she's constantly, you have to be so on your toes. She's constantly throwing new stuff at you. And it's so fun to play with. I love working with Tommy and I hope that we get to do it again soon. There's Tara again. Got Tara back. Came back to Sudbury to do another scene. And there's the fucker there. And who are these cops? Let's see. So who, on who's the, the left, guy on the right? That's oh, okay. uh, that's me. That's you on the right. That's a fatter version of me. Well, I would say you were already had already lost so much weight, but you know, and the other is Michelle Latimer, our production designer. La- Lennon, not Latimer. Lennon. Oh my God, sorry. Michelle Latimer is a filmmaker. She sure is. She's terrific. But Michelle Lennon is our production designer. Uh, it was nice to have you guys playing the cops. I think there's a deleted scene where t- Danny and I ad lib. You and Danny wanted to do some ad libbing, which was fun, and you uh, mercifully cut it. Well, it just didn't. It ruined the flow. It was fun to do with him, but I'll tell you, when Danny, like Danny, yanked, he, I had to hold him back. He oh, did, this is what I'm saying. The yeah. guy, that's that's he's a method. He, he's method in that way. He's not interested in faking any of the action. He actually does it. Yeah, I actually had to. Like, every time I came around that corner, I had to yank back at him and. And, and and Tommy is ad libbing all this stuff observations is like, yeah. of the space right now. Either just we're th- throwing lines at her. We're throwing and, lines yeah. at her, or she's coming up with stuff. Jojo. Jojo. She calls me Jojo, which is what she actually calls me because my name is Jonas. But in the movie, I'm James, and she still calls me Jojo, which we love. Oh, and there's the journal. Burnt to a crisp. All my time travel theories gone. Ugh. I just watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade again, and it reminded me that the diary is very much like uh, yeah. like Sean Connery's Grail Diary. Yeah, and I have a, I have a notebook like that that I keep. Mm-hmm. I love this walk. Yeah, It's, it's funny. It's we got that note from some filmmakers like, you can cut it out when she just falls. And I'm like, and that's the difference between me and someone else where I'm like, no, part of the fun is her walking back. And yeah, totally to, soberly all of a sudden. And gracefully trying to put it down. Yeah, This was supposed to take place in the back of a cab. Was it? Yeah, I remember? remember this conversation was supposed to be you guys in the car. It's and then much she, better here. And then she got out. And then Scott, our DP, drove by this place one night. Oh. And and thought that it would actually be a, a great place it's to do It's pretty cool. It's a pretty great location. It's got all this light. Yeah, that great that wide shot is pretty amazing, yeah. too. It's a uh, hire smart DPs, guys. DPs will often, like, stand in for a a locations department. If they're not happy with or we haven't found what you're looking for, DPs are known to, especially if if you're lucky to have one like Scott, Mm. they'll drive around at night looking for options and ideas. Mm, Let's face it. That's not why Scott was driving around alone at night. He just happened to stumble upon this for other, he was out for other reasons, but we won't get into that on the podcast. Well, he was actually looking for a road to shoot on Mm. that was smooth and then found this. Well... Well, let's let's leave that. You know, we'll leave. That you will not disparage Scott McClellan. Oh no, I love Scott. I love Scott. I'm just saying he had other reasons for driving around alone at night in Sudbury. I think this is our last night. Yeah, this, this is, is our last night of shooting. That's right. That's right. We had some uh, some donuts. I think I brought some donuts in for the. 
No, no, no. I brought in cupcakes, no, and so. you, no, you treated oh, everyone ice to ice cream sundaes. I, I rented the ice cream store down the street. And yeah, everybody went there and had some ice cream. I did cupcakes at noon, and then you did like an ice cream buffet. That's true. It was amazing. Thank you so much. I really, you know, I just want to give back a little bit to the crew that gave me so much. You know what I'm saying? There's some beautiful camera work, by the way, in this piece too. Telling the story, telling the story in a, in a, you know, visually. The way that he moves, the way that he, I love the the uh, the way that the camera moves throughout this the whole back sequence. and forth. Yeah, I mean Scott and I put a lot of effort into these. A lot of them are oneers, but just these idea of, I don't know. I try to get a little bit better as a visual storyteller with every movie, and and so I've gotten really really adamant about making sure shots are, are telling a story and, yeah. and having a flow. And I think you know to be honest, Scott and I watched a lot of Steven Spielberg stuff because he does these wonders that are really interesting that just kind of flow along and go from one thing to the other and this is a pretty impressive shot that's what i'm saying this one here where you're the way you're tracking up through i'm looking in the drawers and the way you're going to come in and reveal what i'm looking at and then this is not an easy shot on your face and then come down and hit that reaction and and be in focus the whole time and That's also our, our focus TV. puller gets gets credit for Everybody that. Everybody gets credit, especially me. I'm really brilliant. You nailed your focus, I'm John. Really good. Courtney. Ugh, I just love it was so lucky to find this location with the second floor. It was really it was to be able to just perfect. give her a space as opposed to a different room. And and, I, and we knew we wanted to have uh, That's her jacket. Oh, that is her jacket. Well, she showed up in it, and as soon as I saw that with her haircut, I'm like, oh my god, I love it. I wanted to try to find a, a way to put uh, it into the movie. Uh, and uh, it should be noted, because she was worried people would give her shit for it. It's not real fur. No, god, she would never real So I will uh, I will vouch for her on that. Yeah. That's, uh, nice. That's nice for you to come to her defense. And I way. think, was this Cleo's last night? Yep. Yeah, this was Cleo's last night too. We did a lot of her, or maybe not. It was one of her last two nights. We shot. We we finished shooting in this location. We shot in this location, then we went oh, away we for a bit, back, and then we, we had to come back. back and do all the night stuff. So all the day stuff was shot in one period, and then we came back, which doesn't often happen in movies. Movies you often shoot out locations and you move on. Yeah, but luckily we were able to kind of hold on to this. This set. one it was because of scheduling. We had Cleo on certain dates. We had Francis was in town only for those few days, and we wanted to shoot Danny out. Yep, we had to shoot Danny out. He was busy, so. but we had Danny for most of it. We, we had a four week schedule, and Danny was weeks. there for three of it. Yeah. yeah, so he just wasn't with us for our last week. We missed him. It wasn't the same without him. It was. It is different when you lose like your second. You know, biggest performer in the movie that's in most of the scenes. It's it's, it's a weird like absence you suddenly feel. Now the scene turned out so much better than I could have ever hoped, and I always loved it on the page. But it's weird. Why it's I'm forgetting that we're doing this commentary because I we haven't watched the movie in a while. So to come back and watch it now, it's uh, it's been a while. I've stepped away from it for a while. It's it's uh, yeah. It's crazy to watch it. The zoo. <laughs> didn't she say, didn't the zoo, she said the zoo in a rehearsal or something as an ad lib. And I we think, were like, yeah. oh my God, that's great. The zoo. And she was like, what? You can't use that. And we're like, no, that's great. It's funny. The zoo. Yeah. That's so not ours. Yeah, it came hours. up somewhere. Somebody said, I think it was Cleo. Well, because visiting zoo. hours, because we were meeting right. the where hospital. Do, right. Where do you have visiting hours? Where else do you have the zoo? 
Oh, Lord. Hilarious. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is, your reaction to is amazing. The zoo? Uh-oh. Didn't, that was not a good thing to say. Hey, James says some not great stuff in the scene. Yeah. But you, he has to. Characters have to be and say and do shitty things sometimes. I'm sorry. Well, he's, he's learning how to be a, a, a man, a person, a human. He's learning how to interact with people. He was not a social creature, so he's making mistakes. But it's like, but I mean, you know, and to, to give ourselves some credit here, I think what I love about this scene too is that it's like, they're both right in how they're feeling about certain things. It's like, he, you know, he doesn't want to do that thing in the movie where you just give up on your personal hopes and dreams to get the girl. Yeah. You know, he could just easily do that to make her happy, but that's not, that's going to be something that he's going to resent her for in the end too. It's true. And we really did spend, I mean, you know, we, we, we developed the script over, over a few years and we really did. It was, I'll give you credit for this. It was always your goal. You always wanted to make sure that Courtney was never the girlfriend and that she was never in the story just as a as a love interest or if you 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 were so focused we were so focused on making sure that she had her own path and her own journey and that he you know was a part of it but not the essential part of it ultimately she her her fate is to go off to switzerland yeah. and become a brilliant scientist and ultimately, he has to be worthy of her. Exactly, and and so you know, I, I'm I'm proud of that too, and I would commend you on always keeping that in the forefront when we were working on this. Thanks, man. You're welcome. So here's another thing. So we had originally designed that, that he found this key to this hallway that led to this secret room. Yeah, behind the table, or like a, a bunker, or or a, just different things, and then. Ultimately, we ended up with this behind the table because it's also a t- look at that periodic. I have that in my house now. It's pretty cool. It's our it, Lego table. It's a pretty amazing. We keep uh, Lego inside of it. This was this was a, a quite a coup from the from the design team that they built this. It was it was uh, yeah, pretty great. And again, and this is another shot. Uh, another yeah, another one of these great Spielbergian camera yeah. moves where you wow. That's on. It's that's in my office. Collider. Have you turned it on yet? Yeah, I, I I've gone back and I've reshot a couple of these scenes. You need the plutonium. You wouldn't know because you just think they happen the way they happened. <laughs> you don't use plutonium, Jonas. Okay, look, she's eating the Cheerios again. There's the Cheerios, and this is the last scene we shot with Franny. It's true. And if you check out the deleted scenes, this is actually the second part of a two-part scene. Between oh, us. my God. We well, cut not out only a that, whole subplot. going from the previous scene into this, there's a 15 minutes of the movie we cut out? Yeah, we cut, Almost a, big, 20? We cut a big chunk of, of the movie out. Basically, there's this sub, subplot we had where uh, Danny steals the photos he took there and reveals her collider to the world, and she gets mad at him. Not and, me. She gets mad at James. Yeah. And blames him. You've ruined me now that you've, it's been exposed and I'm going to be sued and everyone's going to steal the technology. You've ruined me. And so we go through this all the rigmarole of that. And guess what? We didn't need it. It, just, it all comes down to we just needed her to say, show me, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll let you off the hook. If People didn't me. need that. The, the, the stakes and all the relationships were working we, well enough. We, we overwrote that. Um, I want to point out here that Jeremy gave the note to Francis to yell at me when I, and I did not know that was happening. 
were going to happen. And she felt actually felt bad after. She she said felt so sorry. I'm so sorry. He told me to do it. I didn't want to scare you. Well, because on the previous take, you had this idea that it's like. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if I reached into your bowl and we yeah, shared? We shared a Cheerio. And so we did that in the one take. And I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. It's kind of cute. Yeah. But then there's also something, too, just from a character point of view, I think it's important to make sure it's clear that it's like Rowley's not interested in being equal to She's James. got the upper hand. She can tell me when I can have a Cheerio and when she cannot. Yeah. And so for when fun, I, I just told Fran, I was like, this time, do what you did last time because Jonas will go for it the same way he did and then don't <laughs> let him. And of course, I've told you, I love, as an actor, that's my favorite thing in the world. You were so happy after that take. Oh, I loved it. I love it. Because I'm never going to be able to act surprised as well as being genuinely surprised. You made me a better, you make me a better actor, Jeremy. Yeah, well, it's tricky. It's like, it's secret directions. I love secret directions, man. My favorite. Bring them on. Yeah, well, it's just nice when you can get a real, a real genuine reaction out of somebody. Yeah, it's always great to throw that stuff. Now, here's the turn, the big turn. Suddenly, James, uh, uh, Jimmy, there's a shift in Jimmy. He's now uh, he's now threatening violence, right? He's going to go and kill Rowley. Um, and uh, it kind of throws the whole movie into the third act. It kind of throws it into turmoil and danger and conflict and crisis at, to a new level. Well, that's just it. It's just one of those things that it's like, you know, he could have just done this from the get-go. That's why... But he, 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 wanted went to, back he wanted and, to be a nice guy and do it the right way. Yeah, he was. she was the peanut butter to your uh, chocolate. chocolate. Mm. And, you know, you both needed... You needed Rowley and James to be able to create time travel in the way we set up the story. I can, I can, so, really, I can really go for a Reese's peanut butter cup right See now. what I did to you? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so... It's him accepting that he can't change who he is. I mean, when Jonas and I... I mean, we should talk about how we came up with the idea, right? Sure. So when Jonas and I sat down to, uh, I had another kind of fantasy time travel movie. I've been, it's a much bigger budget that I've been working towards making. Like a Groundhoggy Day kind of Yeah, thing. and so uh, in order to make that, a lot of the people involved in that said, well, you need to make a stepping stone movie. And so I sat down with Jonas. You said, do you have any, we were just finishing How to Plan an Origin in a Small Town. Yeah. And you said, have you got any idea? Have you got anything? Any ideas, you know, preferably in the sci- in a sci-fi world. And I said, ironically, I only have one idea right now, and it's nothing. It's just a simple idea. Uh, a guy try, about to discover time travel gets uh, kidnapped by his future self. That's all I had. And then we took that and expanded it into this. Yeah, and ran with it. And so, and I, and just as soon as I heard that, it was like, it had all the recipes of something I love, which is like just natural conflict. Yep. Um, time travel but not high concept. No, the ir- irony that we always really loved about this movie is it's, it's a time travel movie that takes place entirely in the present. Yeah. Uh, and it's about being in the present, literally and, and thematically. Well, when we figured that out, it all fell into place. When we got, that came later. The idea yeah. that, that we, we, you know, we knew we wanted there to be, we wanted to have, to explore something else in this, uh, something about today and now and who we are as, as a, as a culture, as a, as a community, as a, as a humanity. And that's when we, we hit it, we hit on it, that it's really, it took about, a little while. Our first, uh, we should admit to what our, our first do we title. Have to? Sure. The first title for this movie oh was James the Time Travel Bitch. This James was pre-2018. <laughs> it was pre-Me Too. James the Time Travel Bitch was about James 
who is a little bitch and got walked over by everyone in his life and had no no balls. And so he had to learn to stand up and, for himself. And so his future self comes and tries to teach him to stand up for himself and not be such a little bitch. And at that point, I had made, like, Go-Getters and How to Plan an Orgy, and everyone was expecting me to just make raunchy comedy movies. And so we had kind of written the first draft towards that. Because Jonas and I like potty humor as much as the next sure, person. Sure, we had a lot of poop and penis jokes. And we did that, and people didn't hate that draft by any means, but the kind of thing Jonas and I, after we did that draft, and we really sat down and took a hard look at ourselves and the movie and the kind of story we wanted to tell and we're like you know what we want to make something a little bit more sophisticated and cl- no, and cl- just slightly I, more sophisticated i like how i say that as yeah. you're unbuckling your pants yeah, to show francis conroy your to penis show my dick we also had when i was looking around for partners on that on james the time travel bitch i had a great meeting with a really respected female producer and she she said she quite loved the script she said but i i can never be a part of a movie that's called that has the word bitch in the title and i thought oh yeah that makes sense. And neither should we. And neither should we. <laughs> yeah. So we, we had took a hard look at it. And we're like, it's not about him. And we re, we edged away from this idea of James being this dour, walked-upon person. And more, which is something about other people, and more of this internal thing of him just not being able to live in the present. Only being able to live in the future and the past. And it comes for me from this idea of, like, I'm one of these guys that I'm not on social media. And when I go to a concert... And everybody is, or, or I'm seeing something beautiful like a sunset, and I look around me, and everybody's got their phones out, and they're recording it. And I, I know I understand that's the world we live in now, but I'm just thinking, well, I just want to be here with this sunset and be in the moment, and not be trying to capture it for future uh, use. And I, so it really resonated on a on a deeper level for what I was feeling about the world right now. I love this three shot. Oh, again, this is just big long scene. And luckily, so this is the kind of thing, young filmmakers, when you have these big beasts of scenes, take your time, give yourself time in the day, because once you get the actors in the space, they're going to move in a way that's going to really help inform the way you should suit the scene. Have, have I, ideas in place walking into it, but I really find the more I go along and the more I do this, as long as I budget enough time in the day that I can kind of spend time blocking... And, and give myself time to revise. Uh, that's kind of how I like to shoot these big scenes now. I love the way Scott's lit it so that the light is all coming from the right-hand side of the room. So we're in shadow when we're facing this way, and you can see the light bang. And it, it kind of adds a little more tension and, and, and mystery to, to the sort of... feel like my, that side of my face is in darkness, and she's being lit by those lights. Yeah, well, it makes it feel like this other space that's not quite our world. Yeah. Uh, she's so lovely love her so much (laughs) Um, yeah so James versus his future self which is a title I think Jordan came up with maybe I I think he just riffed it off or something or something in that vein that made us go oh yeah that's a much better title yeah James versus his future self is a better title and it certainly tells a story And we don't have bitch in the title anymore. Yeah, which was not a great idea. No, it was probably a good move that we changed that. We still have a, a fair amount of dick jokes. I will say that the draft that we gave Danny Stern uh, when we offered him the movie 
had a lot more dick jokes. Yeah, Danny was he, a big fan of cutting out as many dick he, jokes as yeah, possible. Yeah, I think, you know, he was probably, that was probably his greatest influence on us as writers was we really, probably went from about 200 dick jokes to four. Four really good ones. Oh, well, yeah, that's the thing. We, you know, we and he was okay. He's like, let's, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it. Danny's not the man that says you have to get rid of all the dick oh, jokes. No, no, no. He's a man that appreciates a good dick joke as much as the next man. He just doesn't want one on every, every page. Exactly. Also, he he ad libbed this, um, the moment where he where the, the coming up with the cloth. You know, I stick that cloth in his mouth, and he was he had a problem with this. It's such a movie thing when you stick a cloth in someone's mouth and they're tied up that it just stays in their mouth. Yeah. And so he demonstrated for us what he would do if I stuffed the cloth in his mouth. But it's and great because it gets so great because it, it goes from being this bad movie thing that people do yeah, to us to, hanging a lantern on it or like yeah, and going, shining a light on it. Yeah, he made the choice to not pull the, exactly. He could have done clearly it. Clearly, could have done that any time. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. great. Just a smart way to yeah. to to do that. You still get to that. shut him up for the scene. He let us. He let me have it out with her because he knows where it's going. He's from the future. Oh God, I'm legitimately scared right there. Because I thought he might actually hit me. As you should be. But he would never hit someone. He's a gentle giant. I don't know if it's you ever noticed this. You might not even be able to see in this shot, but Jimmy has a giant bed on that stage yeah, yeah, yeah. with a, with a, a lantern messy, over it. Messy sheets. Yeah. The Rally Institute. I like that little graphic. Yeah, it's nice. It's an R and an I. You can't really tell there because... And we're back on the beautiful lake. This, I'm really, really happy with how this scene turned out. I remember you... I wasn't there. I was back at the uh, at the other set. I think you were practicing was, uh, with the, the magnet stuff this day. Oh, right, which we didn't end up using. Yeah, in that first scene when I'm in the garage being held hostage... And I'm the magnets. We 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 planned to have me sucked in and on back. rollers and pulled back. So I was rehearsing that. But I remember when you were shooting this, uh, it was the first thing I wasn't on set for. And I remember you coming back to me afterwards and pulling me aside. And I'm like, well, how was it? How was it? And you you literally had still had tears in your eyes. And you were like, wow, Danny, uh, Danny, Danny really delivered the goods. Yeah, and <laughs> I was nervous when we got down here because this was the first really nice weekend. In, or like of just weather, weather, weather in Sudbury and there was this fucking speedboat going by us oh no every like 30 seconds when we were doing the the all their coverage the quiet and Danny's crying and he's I was like we're gonna have to fuck and that's the worst thing it's like sometimes when you're making movies and you're on location you just gotta suck it up and go we're gonna have to ADR some of this because meaning record the dialogue later in a studio to match the lips and yeah, and so you uh, you just kind of accept that. But when you're doing a big emotional scene like this, the last thing you want to do is try to force an actor to six months later try to get back into that headspace and match their lips. It's just it's the worst thing you can ask an actor to do. And so we just got really lucky that we were just monitoring the lake and and got a sense of when the boats are coming by and not coming by, and. Uh, and it just worked out that the, when the boat came by, it was in spots that were not over Danny's lines, and we had a great sound team that was able to to work around it. But uh, fuck, this is not the kind of scene you'd ever want to have to re-record the dialogue for. It really is. Uh, 
one of Danny's finest moments. I mean, we watched all, we rewatched all Danny's movies in prep, and like, you know, he's great. But there was something about what he's doing and the vulnerability he's showing here. And you, you wanted to rewatch them just to pick up any ticks, right? Or yeah, I kind of wanted to like. Stu- it start, started off that I wanted to study him and see like what can I, what can I do that he does physically, or, and it ended up just being like a Danny Stern film festival. We would just yeah. Watch and and was there anything specific that you you pulled and you did? There's some that we there were, there was the way that he t- we had a conversation about the way that he talks. He definitely has like a Midwestern American accent. And so we had talked about, I thought about whether or not I wanted to try to like, you know, yeah. meet him halfway there. And we just decided that Jonas the, did it for me. And I said, <laughs> fuck no, no. The, the more different he is, yeah. is kind of better because the, you know, the, 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 he's been through so much. And so there's a, a certain informality and, to the way he talks. And all the test screenings we did when we did a lot. Yeah, nobody ever. Nobody ever flagged People just an a, issue. embraced the idea that he was me. Honestly. Yeah, they bought into it. Here's Which is great. Menacing look here. He's off to do something. Ooh, What's he gonna do? Looks so nasty and angry. Ugh. You don't want that face coming after you. Nope. That's a scary face. This is the. Uh, this is the James Dunn fucked up section of the movie. Yeah. And we had a bit more to this. We had a scene where you walk through your lab. You've been drinking. And you've got a sandwich that you've made. Yeah. Now you can cook for yourself. I can make sandwiches now. Look yeah, I'm cooking. But we didn't need it. We really wanted to get to the. Uh, we wanted to. We felt the need to move to the to the get to the climax. And this is uh, what you do with the split screen here. Is uh, I didn't know you were going to do this, and I was so thrilled when you showed me the cut. It was a great way to. They're turned away from each other. I can see now that you lit it specifically. Yeah. To make this. Like, it's just, uh, that's one of your more visually arresting, I think. Moments? Thanks. Moments, yeah. Yeah, this is Scott and I had designed and planned this idea of you guys. Because normally you'd have you on the other sides or facing each other. Or facing each other. Facing away from each other tells the story really nicely. And the way you cut within each side, uh, it's not like the jumps aren't the same. Yeah. The cuts are, are staggered. It's, uh, I think it might be one of, one of my faves. Nice. Yeah, I I am really happy with how it turned out. And again, it was just one of those things. Where it was just like, emo- it's one of those things that you know you probably don't notice when you're watching the first time. But it's like emotionally, you know that it's like they're not connecting right now. Mm-hmm. They're they're not looking at each other. They're off on their own mm-hmm. on their own thing right now. Yeah. So that, that I mean that's a trick. It's like we've we've seen split screens in movies. So filmmakers look for different ways to do them. And you found one. Yeah. You found one. And here we are, heading off to the uh, final press conference. And this is another uh, bigger cut, because what oh, yeah. happened in the script was actually Jimmy picks him up, and, there's a whole and scene. they have a whole scene where they kind of say goodbye to each other, thinking that Jimmy is off. But we didn't need it. And here's Francis's very first shot in the movie. Yep. Very first shot of the movie. So uh, we shot all of this. We got very lucky. Jonas worked his ass off. And this is why Jonas is a great producer. Oh, thanks, buddy. Because Jonas got us this location, the Ontario Science... Not the Ontario Science Center. Uh, what's it? Sudbury Science North. Science North. Science North. In, yeah, Sudbury. in Sudbury. Amazing Science Center in Sudbury. This is the real cave. 
that's in the middle of uh, the the science center. Yeah, they've dug down into the rock in Sudbury and they built this the science center. This hallway there. that links two it's areas. Gorgeous! Of it. It's just gorgeous, and it and leads into the theater where we shot the climax. Yeah, and I I thought of this location because when I had been to the Sudbury International Film Festival for my previous films, they what that festival does that's really cool is they have like a party every night. And one of the nights they did a party at Science North, and I remember walking through that hallway, and just it stuck in my brain being like, "There's this amazing thing that has this great visual that I've never seen in a movie before." And so when we knew we were going to shoot the movie in Sudbury, I always knew I wanted the ending to take place here, and but we never thought we'd get it. And we had no other choices though. No, we, we had, had no other. We options. had to get this location, and the people of Science North were incredibly cooperative and supportive. And in fact, we've promised them that we're going to show the movie in their IMAX theater for their staff and crew, and as a as a kind of kind of a thank you when when we get down there, uh, up there. So we're going to do that soon. I have to set that up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to Sudbury. Me too. I There's some of, restaurants that yeah. I quite like. We'll hit all our favorite places. There's uh, Tuco's Tacos. Oh yeah, Tuco's Tuco's Tacos. Really like that. Um, you like the vegan ice cream? The vegan ice cream place is really great. Beer There's our truck. buddy. Who's dri- you know who's driving That's their Spencer. car? Spencer. Right Spencer Gizzi. These are was our one of our executive producers and man about town. And man, he was the kind of guy you could give any kind of problem to. And, and by he the would way, that is true. That's me and my mom on the far left. Yep. This is the Sudbury Airport. Here's Jonas's this is mom. Here's my mom. Her first speaking role in a movie. Again, this is one of those things where it's like we needed an airport, and. <laughs> we just said, why don't we actually shoot at the Sudbury Airport? And everyone's like, well, that's impossible. I'll never give it to you. And then you just got to ask sometimes. And I just stood up one day. I'm like, why don't we fucking try to find out? Yeah, we have to. you have to ask nicely. Yeah. And so we got it. And we, we were just really efficient. We went in. We shot all that in like an hour, I think. And we got in and out. And we made it work on our day. We did. We really did. And that's a trick. And we did that because we while we were shooting that, we were setting up the lighting for the, the final scene, the final shot of the movie. Which we'll get to uh, in shortly. A bit, in a little bit. In a little bit. Uh, love this montage of uh, Jimmy using various odds and ends around the science center back rooms to build a crossbow. Yeah, we wanted him to be like a MacGyver and be able to just pull stuff. And this was we, we James Sled, who built this crossbow, was our special uh, effects guy. Did a great job. We just said, look, it's like he's got. It's got to be built from stuff he could find. In like the maintenance room or throughout the museum, and so we just kind of gave him that, and I said it's got to be a crossbow and it's got to be from found objects, and so he designed it, and then we said we'd find the spots that he would get it from. So he used like the stanchion rod that you'd find in inside, the seat and, from a bicycle. Yeah, yeah, he did a beautiful job on it, and that's part of the trick too. Is like sometimes you just got to give tasks like that to your your creative team and let them do their thing and let them be creative like i would never just be able to design that thing no 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 you wouldn't you're uh, you're incompetent in a lot of ways yeah 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 yeah. oh and look at this great special effect i can't believe francis let us put a hole through her hand Uh, she's a committed actor she eats cheerios and it's still there she can't make a fist to this day yep you can see right through it because it kind of healed on the inside you can just see right through it's like a like a donut middle real gross Horrifying. God, I love that joke. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to hurt innocent bystanders. He only no. wants to kill the inventor of time travel. And yeah. 
you know, he's very specific in his murderous rage. He knows who he needs to eliminate. Ah, finally got that tie off. Yeah, that was bugging you. Oh, it's driving me nuts. This yeah. this shirt's in my wardrobe now. Is it really? I kept mostly your wardrobe because it fits me now. Knowing that you were going to lose another 50 pounds? Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. And again, here is the Science North, which has this winding ramp that it goes through a, and connects all the different exhibits and floors. That it has this to. amazing dinosaur skeleton. You, 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 that yeah. is production value there. You can't uh, you can't build that. That's not that's not a studio build. No. no sir, I mean, you could build that. Well, yeah, you could do that, I guess. Uh, Unlimited resources. Ooh, she's, uh, she doesn't look right. No, and this is Francis' first day. She needs to, medical attention. To make an actor do this on their first day is not a... When we shot this, the crew actually gasped behind the monitor because <laughs> they, they didn't know Danny was going to be up there. there. Yeah. I love it. here's a beautiful music. The score here is, call, is a callback to that beat that Brian Wilson each song from the opening credits. Kind of taking us full circle. A little more inspiring. Take yeah. a deep breath. Here we are being present. And I really, I'm really proud of this ending. It's a tough one to pull off because, like, normally you'd want a confrontation between James and Jimmy. Like, that's what I think the audience is probably expecting yeah. from the get-go. Now, what movie had we just watched, man, where they had all those shots of the... It was the Primer Guys. Um, oh, you know, up to Upstream Color. I, I, I showed you Upstream Color, and it had those shots of nature, and you were like, oh, I'm going to use that in the finale. It was great. Yeah. Oh! Come on. Are Man. we watching a are we watching a big budget Marvel movie? No, right we now? aren't. I'll tell you this though. We are. No, this come on. We're watching when, a Marvel picture. When we were okay, literally two days before we started shooting, Infinity War, uh, Avengers Infinity War came out, and when that ending of that movie came, I was so fucking upset. Because it had a like, similar effect. That's what we're doing for our ending. <laughs> Uh, and I hadn't seen it quite like that in a movie. But we, regardless of that, we, we really love the idea of this low-budget indie film having this really kick-ass, awesome special yeah. sci-fi special effect at the end. And they pulled it off. It looks great. Yeah. Great work, team. Here, didn't didn't know Tommy was going to leap on me. Of Told her to do that. Yep, thank you. Because then, I mean, that's all the kind of thing. I, I think what I mostly told is I do whatever you want to do. The punching was not... I, you know, yeah. I, I never condone violence. You don't like the punching? It's gentle punching. It's flew, Oh, and we flew out, yeah. Flew to Switzerland to get one shot. Yeah, got this one shot in Switzerland. was not easy. Expensive. You know, so this, so we faked a cafe in Sudbury for Switzerland, obviously. What? My okay, favorite, this totally looks my like favorite thing that happened is we had like, you know, fake signs on the walls that made it look a little bit more Swiss. Yeah. Uh, and there was like a fake Wi-Fi thing and the crew got pissed because the Wi-Fi right. password didn't it work. It was like, freaking Wi-Fi, Ugenstab. And, and they were like, this Wi-Fi doesn't work. We're like, it's set design, you idiots. Yeah, that was great. And how cute is this puppy? I mean, I'm not even a dog person and I, I fell in love with this puppy. We got lucky. I, uh, I was one of those things as a filmmaker, I'm like, I want like four different dogs. The same dog. Look like the same dog. Aging. And everyone was... The, it was one of those things that I knew I could back away from if we couldn't make it happen. Because it's an un, impossible request. But I made it sound like my, I must have that. Yeah. And we found it. And none of that, we had two different options over two different kinds of dogs. Yeah. You threatened to quit and threw your hat on the ground and stomped on it and yeah. said, if you don't get me these dogs, the picture is yeah. ruined. I said, Ron Howard doesn't put up with a shit and neither shall I. Yeah, and you dumped hot coffee on your assistant. Yeah, which was you that day. That was my. That was me. And there I... Oh, my God. So... Are we again watching a Marvel movie? How is it that I'm in both places at So once? we originally designed... Wanted to do, um, like, 
an orphan black type thing where it was just all one shot and we were going to do uh, motion control, but and it was and we budgeted for it we and we could get do the it. Thing in the you the machine is so giant we, we couldn't get, get it through the, the doors. Shop. So we shot it cleverly this so way. Scott and I hung out for four hours in the coffee shop and just walked around. Figuring out how to do little reveals and using doubles. You had a few like expert editors watch this movie, and even they were tricked. They were they thought we had done some sort of motion capture. You know, like it, it's it's not like that high. It's not that crazy, but and you did this on your laptop. Yeah, composited all the different. That's amazing. That's just incredible. Now I will read the credits. Co-producer Andrew Bromfman. Hey, look, there's you, James Jonas Turner. Everyone, just uh, sit tight. Jimmy again, so Daniel this is um, one of those. We we went through a lot of different options for the closing credit song. Oh yeah, are you kidding? That was and, the, a and hard this was one of those hail marys because it's like we're never going to get it. You and I grew up. Sarah McLaughlin was bigger than anyone in the in the you know at that time in the nineties and and. We grew up on this. This song was like a was like an anthem in my life. I couldn't believe we got this song for this. It was just perfect. And as I said, it goes really nicely with the other songs with Cheryl Crow and Jan Arden, and it gives it that that sort of nostalgic vibe that we were going for. We got our makeup department, Cat Crisp and Blake. God, they're great. They're terrific. We would do um, uh, pancake mornings, pancake mornings, and Friday mornings because we often shot a lot of days where we started later. Yeah. And then so we would have, uh, there was a great... Oh, oh God, you have a message. There was a message. Sorry, people. Um, where they would, uh, we'd meet up for breakfast on Friday mornings. It, it was, was really beautiful. Lovely. I enjoyed that. Now, of course, what I'm doing right now, because There's I, a dog, I was cinnamon, in of, caramel, and teddy. I was in charge of doing these credits, and it, you're so terrified that you're going to make a mistake in the credits, so I'm now I'm just doing one last look to make sure I got it all. So uh, particle physics consultant, Peter Krieger. Yeah, I mean, I hope we didn't miss anyone talking about all the great people. Jordan Walker, our other producer. producer. We, obviously, he was so important. We couldn't have done it without him. Jonathan Bronfman. Jonathan Bronfman and Andrew Bronfman, uh, uh, the Bronfman team, uh, le- leading us through and uh, helping us with everything. Jonathan was instrumental. Andrew worked his ass off. There's Amp, our uh, international distributors, pre-sold the movie to a few countries, which was the first I've time. I've never it's done that before. Me neither. That was huge. Northern Banner, our Canadian. Yep, giving us an amazing Who has Canadian released release. my last couple of movies, so we have a Me good, too. good relationship with them. Special thanks to the people we love in our lives. Our families. And, uh, yeah, and then a lot of people in the thank yous. And usually my thank you lists are five minutes long because I have so many crowdfunders, but we didn't crowdfund in this movie. We didn't crowdfund, but we did thank, I insisted on thanking every single person that ever read the script and gave us thoughts or came to any of our multiple workshops. Yeah. Uh, NOHFC, thanks for letting us shoot in Northern Ontario. So when you're making a film, people, when you start developing it, just start keeping a list. Keep a list. You got to keep a list. You learned that the hard way. And Crave, thanks for buying the movie. Thanks for buying the movie, Crave. Thank you for Ontario and Canada and all these other wonderful partners. It was a joy making the movie. Jeremy, I enjoyed making this movie very much. I enjoyed making this movie with you. And I, I can't wait to go and tour the world with it and, uh, and and watch it with audiences. And Yeah, we haven't actually had an audience nope, screening yet. we haven't yet. premiered yet. We're still waiting for our premiere. It's going to be sometime this fall, and I'm very excited. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to making uh, more movies with you. <laughs> Science North let us run through with an, a bow and arrow yeah. and a bloody hand. They really Bless did. them. Well, they haven't seen it yet, so they might be pissed. I usually put a joke in this uh, work of fiction mm. thing, but I didn't this I time. I take that very seriously. That's yeah. This is a legal obligation. It's a legal document. You can't do that yeah. kind of shit. I take that very seriously. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, everyone. Nerds.